Thomas Aquinas, who knew a great deal about education and motivation, once said that when you want to convert a man to your view, you go over to where he's standing, take him by the hand, and guide him. You don't stand across the room and shout at him. You don't call him a dummy. You don't order him to come over to where you are. You start where he is and work from that position. That's the only way to get him to budge. This principle can be seen at work in the remarkable success of life insurance salesman Frank Bedger. He was a professional baseball player with a glass arm who had to change careers, so he decided to try selling life insurance. It did not go well, and at 29, he was a miserable, debt-ridden failure. Then, improbable as it sounds, he became so successful in the field that he was in a position to retire at age 41. Bedger attributes this turnaround to a change in his selling approach, due in large part to a talk he heard at the Bellevue Stadford Hotel in Philadelphia. The speaker was one of America's top salesmen, J. Elliott Hall. Hall told how he also had failed as a salesman and was about to give up when he discovered the reason why he was failing. He said he had been making too many positive statements. That sounded silly, says Betker, but it caused me to sit up and listen. Hall explained that his mistake had been to spend too much time trying to extol the product and too little time asking questions of the prospective customer. Hall's questions had only one purpose, says Betker to help the other people recognize what they want, then help them decide how to get it. That idea revolutionized Betker's attitude toward selling. Before this, he said, I had largely thought of selling as just a way of making a living for myself. I had dreaded to go in to see people for fear I was making a nuisance of myself. But now I was inspired I resolved right then to dedicate the rest of my selling career to this principle, finding out what people want and helping them get it. So rule number two for bringing out the best in people is this. Make a thorough study of the other person's needs. Too many leaders ignore this essential early step. They see motivation as mere hype, slapping people on the back and giving rah-rah pep talks. But it is much more than hype. A good motivational plan must be as carefully fitted as a, de a designer dress. And before starting a program of leadership and change, it is important to study our clients carefully. We must ask a lot of questions about where people have been and where they are going, what they believe what are their sore spots, what they love, and what they hate. In other words, we must make an inquiry into people's present need systems. Freud did us a great favor in showing that all behavior is caused and everyone is motivated. So, if people are already 
driven by a bundle of desires, we can avoid much frustration and failure if we study them very carefully to see how we can best appeal to their interests. Frank Bedgar tells how he applied this principle in his church. Elected superintendent of a small, struggling Sunday school, he thought the important immediate need was for a larger organization, so he asked for five minutes of the program during the following Sunday morning service. I knew I had to make a sale, he explains. And I could have got up and told the congregation that this job had been wished on me and I would expect them to cooperate and help me. But I decided that I would have a much better chance of getting what I wanted if I talked to them about what they wanted. Here is what Bedger said. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about some of the things you want. Many of you have children. You want them to come here to Sunday school and meet other children and to learn more about life from their truths in the great book. You and I want our children to avoid some of the mistakes that I have made, and possibly some you have made. How can we do this? The only way we can do it is by building a larger organization. You now only have nine teachers in the Sunday school, including the pastor himself. We need at least 25. Some of you may hesitate to teach because you have the same fears that I had only 12 years 12 months ago when I took a small class of boys that you don't know enough about the Bible. Well, I can tell you, you learn more about this book in six months by teaching these little children for 20 minutes each Sunday morning than you will ever learn in six years by merely listening. And it will do more for you. You husbands and wives can study and prepare the lessons together. It will give you something more in common, bring you closer together. If you have children of your own, they too will take a greater interest when they see you active. Remember Jesus' parable about the three men who were given the talents? I don't know of any better way you can improve and multiply your talents than through this work. What happened as a result of Bedker's little speech? That morning, they signed up 21 new teachers. At first, they were not enough children to go around, so they divided them up. Some classes started off with only two or three. Then, they began a house-to-house canvas, enrolled nearly every child in the community of Winfield, Pennsylvania, and eventually, they built a large new church.